So now we come to this week, and this week we're going to talk about how Mary was amazed and how we ought to be amazed at Jesus. Can you imagine um, being Joseph and Mary, the parents of Jesus? And they've, they've both been visited by angels. Mary's visited by angels, says you're going to get pregnant. Joseph is, is planning on leaving her, even though they were... Um, only what we would consider engaged, that was a, a real deal thing back then. There was a, a, a legal binding agreement there when, when, when you were betrothed to someone. And so he was going to divorce her. It took a divorce to get out of that. He was going to divorce her quietly. An angel appears to Joseph and says, no, 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 don't do that. This baby is from the Holy Spirit, from God. He's going to be the son of God who takes away the sin of the world. So he stays with Mary. And that means being rejected by family and friends friends and community and all of this stuff. Can you imagine being them, though? They were the parents of Jesus Christ. They were the parents of the Son of God. And, and so there's so many things that we could talk about and think of how unworthy they must have felt and how humbled they must have felt. But how amazed they must have been. We see that, right? There are places in uh, the, the account in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, certainly from the very beginning when the angel visits Mary and, and says, you're going, to be, uh, you're going to be a mom. And, and, and she says, how, can, how will this be since I am a virgin? And, and this amazement even in her from the very beginning, how is this possible? How can this be that I will have a child and I've never been with someone before? Amazement. But we, we, we see after the birth of Jesus in chapter 2, and, and I'm going to summarize a lot this morning because we're going to cover a lot of passages, okay? But I promise not to keep you here until New Year's. So um, I know that some of you want to get home and, and do Christmassy stuff. Um, less Christmassy than this, by the way. But, um, <laughs> but in chapter 2, after um, Jesus is born, remember the shepherds are in the field and you have these shepherds that are out in the field and they're watching the, the sheep. They're taking care of the flocks and these angels appear to these shepherds and they announce the birth of Jesus Christ. Now that is unusual, right? You have these angels appear. They're terrified. The, the shepherds are terrified. They bring the angels say, we're bringing you good news for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a child who's born and he's going to come and take away the sins of the world. And so they take off, they leave their sheep and they go to Bethlehem to find this baby. Can you imagine being Mary and Joseph here? The mangers here. Jesus is there and these shepherds come wandering in and they begin to just look and it says that they told them they they gave account of all that the angels had told to the shepherds. That Mary and Joseph just had to be amazed, amazed. It says in verse 19, um, the angels come and they recount. But and it says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Just. Let's just make this a reality for a minute, okay? Imagine some of you moms here, you give birth. I don't know what hospital you gave birth. We gave birth to, to three of the five at Grady. Okay, so imagine being in the hospital, your little baby's there and a little nice thing, and these farmers just come in. And they just start telling you all these wonderful things about your kid. And then they go out just praising and extolling God. As they leave. You're probably going to treasure some of that up in your heart, right? You're going to be amazed. I mean, just 
Just imagine being Mary and Joseph at that moment. But it didn't stop there. I love um, the, the, when, they, when they go and they take Jesus to the temple. To, he's the firstborn son, and so they're supposed to offer him up to God. And they go to the temple, and it says in, in uh, chapter 2, they're presenting him in the temple. And there's a guy there named Simeon, this old, 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 old guy. And God had told him, you're going to live until the promised one comes. You're going to get to see the promised one before you die. Okay? Now, Mary and Joseph didn't know that he had been told that. But they take the baby and they go in and Simeon sees the baby and takes the baby from them and praises God. Can you imagine having given birth to a baby and you take him to church? And this old guy walks up to you with your newborn baby there and takes him from you and holds him up and says, praise God. Now I can die. That's what he said. That's, you read the account. That's what he said. He takes the baby and he says, glory to God. Praise God. Now I can die. My eyes have seen the Lord. I've seen the king, the promised one to come. And imagine what Joseph and Mary says here in verse 33. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about Jesus. They're just amazed. They're the parents of Jesus. He really came. What I love about Luke is it's a historical account. We see at the beginning of Luke that he went and he interviewed and he found out and he, and he gives us this wonderful historical account and we get to see this picture from this historian of what happened and how the parents of Jesus responded to the response to Jesus. They're amazed. They're amazed at their child. They're amazed at what God has done. And Jesus' coming didn't just bring amazement to his parents. It, it brought amazement to many others. Just read through the book of Mark, right? That word marveled and amazed just comes up over and over and over. And just to give you kind of a, just a, a quick summary of some of the things as you think about the life of Jesus. Just think, okay? Maybe you've read through the Gospels. Maybe you're familiar with the Gospels. Maybe you're not, okay? So maybe this will be new for you. But this is the account, historically, of how people responded to Jesus, not just as a baby, but as he grew up. How do people respond? It tells us in Mark one twenty-seven that as Jesus taught, people were amazed at his teaching. In fact, they said, what is this? A new teaching with authority. Even as Jesus taught them, there was something different about how he was saying it and what he was saying it and the motives and why he was saying what he was saying. The people were amazed. They never heard anything like this. They had been in front of people who used their words and their authority to get what they wanted from the people and called themselves religious leaders. And now Jesus is on the scene and he's like, no, 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 no. I'm telling you the truth, and I'm going to teach you the truth from God. And he's calling out those who had manipulated and twisted the, the word of God. In Matthew 8, 27, Jesus had, had um, visited, the, the, or he's with the disciples on the boat, and you remember there's this storm, and the disciples are freaking out, and he says, peace, be still, and the waters are immediately calm. And it says, as you can imagine, the disciples were amazed. And he said, what sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? 
Jesus cast out demons. He healed, healed sick people and the crowds marveled. Matthew 9, verse 33, the people said, never was anything like this seen in Israel. They had seen miracles before. And we know that because Jesus, when the Pharisees um, attack him and say that he's doing these miracles uh, by Satan, uh, he says to them, then, then, then by whom do your sons do things, do miracles? So they had seen miracles done, but never like this. Never with the authority, never with the love, never with the grace, never with the power that Jesus demonstrated. And they were amazed, they marveled. Jesus loved the worst of sinners and disciples marveled. Marveled. You remember in John 4, and Jesus is going and it says he had to go through Samaria. He goes to Samaria and the disciples go off to find some food because they haven't eaten. And he, and he comes to the Samaritan woman, this woman at the well, who was messed up. I mean, the lowest of the low of people. And the disciples come back and it says they were amazed that he was speaking with this woman, loving the most unlovely person. She's there in the middle of the day by herself. Jewish women, Samaritan women, women didn't do that. You didn't come alone to get water. You came with other women to get water. And you certainly didn't come in the middle of the day. You would come in the morning or in the evening when you wouldn't die of heat exhaustion. She was by herself, the lowest of the low. She had had five husbands, and now she's living with someone who wasn't even her husband. And Jesus knew all of it, and he loved her. And the disciples were amazed. The disciples were amazed at the love of Jesus for this unlovely person. Jesus is arrested and he's on trial. He goes before Pilate and in Mark chapter 15, verse five, Pilate's questioning Jesus and he's just standing there. He's not defending himself. He's not he's not responding in a way that someone who is innocent being convicted, you would think would lash out and and strike out against those who are accusing him. And he didn't do any of that. In fact, Isaiah tells us that as a sheep before his shears are silent, so he was silent He didn't say a word. And it says that Pilate was amazed, amazed at Jesus. The centurion, Jesus is dragged away and he's tortured and and beaten and nailed to this cross. And he's hanging on this cross and suffocating. And and on this cross, he looks at the the, uh, criminal who's to the left of him, who who says to him, Remember me when you enter your kingdom. And he forgives this guy and he says, today you're going to be with me in my kingdom. And not just that, he looks out on everyone there and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And then he breathes his last and the centurion who had watched so many people die that way looks at him and is amazed and says, surely this is the son of God. Even in the way he died, people are confounded and and amazed at who he is and how he lived and how he died. The disciples and many others, Luke 24, verse 22 tells us, were amazed as they entered the tomb where they had laid the dead body of Jesus and find that he's gone. As the angel speaks to them and says, this Jesus who 
was crucified. He told you. He told you ahead of time. Didn't you know he told you that he was going to rise from the dead? And this Jesus, he did it. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. He's alive. He's alive. And they were amazed. Jesus is amazing. Jesus is amazing. I hope, I hope that this morning as we sing these Christmas songs, man, I hope that you're not stirred because it's just because it's Christmas and you know what's at home. I, I hope that you're amazed. I hope you're amazed at who Jesus is. I hope you're excited and, and thrilled and there's joy because of what this day represents and, and what's in your heart, not because of what's at your home right now. Jesus is amazing, amazing. He's not just this story. He's not just this, this myth that has been made up. There are accounts of so many people. And Paul gives an account in 1 Corinthians of 500 people who saw him after he died and then rose again. It's amazing. That's unique. That's not normal. Jesus is amazing. And as people who claim to be followers of Christ, we ought to be living lives of amazement. Of amazement. Are you amazed at Jesus? Truly, truly amazed at him. I mean, just think about the gospel. Just, I want to go through parts of what the gospel is, okay? What does the gospel teach us? What does the gospel tell us? What, what is it that we say that we believe, all right? And just think, okay? Just, just think about what scripture teaches us about each of these things. Philippians 2, um, Lance actually read it early in the beginning of the service. In Philippians 2, What it tells us is Jesus came to earth even though he was God. Do you know that? I want to make sure I say this, get this right. I think it's Luke. I think it's Luke chapter 11. I think John. Did you know that one of the disciples uh, or one of the gospel writers um, tells us that in Isaiah 6, we talked about this last week. Uh, Isaiah 6, where uh, around the throne are all of these angels crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Let me, let me double check this real quick because I don't want you, I want you to know this. Yes, John chapter 12, okay? Um, Do you know that he tells us that that's Jesus? That was Jesus that Isaiah saw. As they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. That was Jesus. Jesus, who's the angels are worshiping and singing out to, who in all of his glory and splendor is in heaven. What did he do? What did he do? Verse 6, who, in Philippians 2, verse 6, though, even though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Even though he was God, Jesus came to earth. And in coming to earth, the Bible tells us that Jesus, we talked about this last night if you were here, but Jesus lived a perfect life. He never sinned. That's what the writer of Hebrews tells us. We, we don't have a high priest who, who, who can't sympathize with us. We have a high priest who can sympathize with us because he was tempted in every single way that we're tempted and yet without sin. He never sinned. 
Jesus lived a perfect life. He, he taught people the truth about who God is and, and how we can know him and, and how we can have a relationship with him. He loved the unlovely. He healed people. Jesus, even though he was perfect, was arrested and tortured and crucified. And by the way, said before it happened that all of that would happen. He told his disciples, look, we're going to Jerusalem. And when we go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be arrested and they're going to kill the son of man. But I'm going to rise again. He said that was going to happen before it happened. And it did. They arrested him and they tortured him and they killed him and then he rose from the grave when he was on the cross the bible tells us that jesus drank the full cup of god's wrath god a holy god who has to punish sin he just can't overlook sin he's a holy and just god and he has to punish sin and so jesus willingly went to the cross and drank the fullness of the cup of God's wrath for our sin. He never sinned, but he paid for our sins. In fact, 1 John 4 verse 10 says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That means the satisfaction for our sins. That means the wrath bearer for our sins. Jesus willingly did that because of love, love. Jesus was buried and on the third day, he literally rose from the dead. Jesus, when he was on the cross, conquered sin and when he rose from the grave he conquered death so that those who are in Christ can hope that their sins are completely wiped away and that there is not an end in death but a new beginning with Christ forever and ever and ever and ever and ever Colossians chapter 2 Starting with verse 13, it says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. How does he do that? By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Jesus did that willingly. He conquered sin and he conquered death. And this same Jesus who would come to this earth that we struggle to find hope in the midst of and we struggle to find contentment in the midst of, this Jesus who gave up everything to live a perfect life on this earth said to us in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says to us in John 7, verse 37, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He says to us in John three eighteen, Whoever believes in me is not condemned. Is not condemned. Is forgiven. Are we honestly, truly amazed 
amazed at Jesus. See, here's the thing that I'm, I'm pretty certain of is I go through that and that's just a, that's just a, a, a summary picture of the gospel from Jesus coming to him, dying and rising again and the hope that we have from that's just a summary picture of the gospel. I'm certain that as I go through each one of those that people nod. I'm certain that most of us here have a knowledge of those things. And then as I go through them, you're like, yes, yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. And I have a head knowledge and even have a heart knowledge of those things. But am I amazed? As you look through the Gospels, people weren't just kind of ho-hum about Jesus. His enemies were amazed at Jesus. His disciples were amazed at Jesus. Those who cried out to him for healing were amazed at him. Those who cried out to him for forgiveness were amazed at him. Are we truly amazed by Jesus? Not just do we understand the gospel, do we embrace it and love it? And are we amazed by it? Are we amazed by the one who would come and do these things for us? That his father would be glorified and that we could have a relationship with God. There's no other way. Jesus says that. I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life and no one can come to the father except through me. Are we amazed that God would love us so much? Romans tells us in Romans 5, 8, that he would demonstrate his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, not being able to clean ourselves up, not being able to do enough works to get us to heaven, not being able to do anything to present ourselves as pleasing to the Lord, that while we were still sinners, Christ would die for us. Us, so that if we would hope in him, we would be forgiven, clean, saved, credited with righteousness and with him forever. Are you amazed by that? Are you amazed by the love of God? I hope that's where our hearts are at. I hope as we sing these songs, I hope as we leave that we're leaving with a joy and an anticipation and amazement at Jesus that that as we get to gather around with our families and, and if you have kids and watch them open their gifts or play with the gifts that maybe they've already opened that in your heart, you know, there's a greater gift and there's something that brings me more amazement than any of this. It's you, Jesus. It's you, Jesus. And I just, I want my life to be about you. And and just like Mary believed, I believe you. I believe the impossible happened. And I believe it so much that I I lay my life down for you, Lord. My, My life is of no account. It matters nothing. I look at me and I look at you, God, and I see that this is, This is meaningless and you're everything. And so I'll lay my life down willingly for you so that I can get what you want from me, not just what I want from me. I gladly do that. And I want to spend my life magnifying you just as Mary magnified you and and glorified you. Even this song, I want my life to be a song for you, Lord, that just displays you and sings to you in every single thing that I do. And I want to live a life of amazement as I walk with you and for your glory, Jesus. I want you to be glorified through me. I want you to use me for your glory and do what you choose and want and desire to do through me so that other people might know that you are God and you are good. 
Are we amazed at who he is?